felt, honest, I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use again. Shame on you. This is Sports 360. Hello and welcome to Sports 360 Podcast. Welcoming you to another week, another series of exciting topics to talk about on this show. We thank you all for downloading and listening and for keeping us in the charts, on the upper side of the charts, week in, week out. We appreciate that. And we have a guest today. He's the first guest that will return on the show because of his expertise in the field we want to talk about. Let me welcome Babatunde. I like calling that name fully. Babatunde Koiki. Today, good to have you on the show once again. I think you deserve a round of applause. First wow. person to come twice on our show. Thank you. And, all right. And of, of course, Yemi Adison is here. Bodegutu is here, even not in body, in spirit. He's here. All right. All right, today, um, I brought you here because, like Bodhi said, maybe you jinxed our man. <laughs> no, I didn't. Um, AJ lost his fight the other week to Alexander Yusik. Yeah. And you, before the fight, I mean, a few days before the fight, I think about three, four days before the fight, you wrote... A preview. You wrote and I, I read that fully. It was long, mm, rather lengthy, extensive but it was preview. Yeah, I read that, and in that article, you sounded serious note of warning. You warned everybody about the danger that Alexander Yusik posed, and the threats, and how it was going to be the most difficult fight AJ has had, and that's why I wanted you here today because we are talking about that loss. And what DJ could have done differently, or what he did right, or what he did wrong, and all that. But but let's focus. Too many people are focused on Usyk, mm. uh, on Joshua. Joshua. Let's focus on Usyk from that. What made you think, or what was the reasons for the benefit? I read the article, but for the benefit of those who probably didn't read it, what made you believe that Alexander Usyk was going to pose the kind of threat, which eventually were proved right, mm. that he was, that he posed eventually to AJ? Was it, what's it about the man? That made him so that makes him such a dangerous fighter. Well, it's pretty simple. The man is absolutely good at what he does. Mm. He's a phenomenal fighter. And in a sport called boxing, he epitomizes exactly what it means to be a boxer. The uh, the fine sweet science of being able to hit and not get hit. Mm-hmm. That is what makes Alexander Yusik a phenomenal boxer. Apart from that, he also has a phenomenal engine in the sense that he has incredible stamina and his punch output is almost second to none. Mm. For a heavyweight, heavyweights rarely throw more than 300. I mean, really good fight. Maybe 300 fun. I think it was David Tua and um, uh, a former Nigerian boxer. Former Nigerian boxer. His name skips my mind right now. Uh, I Both of them nearly killed each other. I, I think I that, remember, both I of them, that fight. Yeah. But I once saw Alexander Usyk throw almost a thousand punches in a single fight. Wow! In twelve rounds, incredible. Nine hundred and thirty-eight. It's not even about the hand speed. The hand speed is there. It's there, but the sheer relentless nature of the number of punches coming at you, you have virtually drowned. In hard work. And I saw this years ago because this was a cruiserweight, a big man who was moving like a small, much smaller, like a lightweight or a middleweight. Mm. And I said it back then that, look, the day this man decides to move to heavyweight, 
there mm-hmm. will be a problem in the division because mm-hmm. I don't see anyone who can keep up with this level of output. Okay. So for those who don't understand, let me use a small analogy that I used for you this morning. Um, the average heavyweight can be likened to like a V6 engine. Mm-hmm. Tremendous power in the sense that it can do things that a four-cylinder never wouldn't do. The problem with Usyk is that not only is he a V6 engine, he's a V12 engine. Wow. In the sense that what a V6 engine can do in terms of output, he can double it. Mm. Might not have that mm. tremendous, that tremendous power. amount of power, power yeah. but that sheer hard work, is it will overwhelm anybody. And that was exactly what he did to Anthony Joshua. Joshua's problem in that fight was this. He was trying to out Usyk a Usyk. Mm. Mm. Yusik mm. has had, Yusik actually started um, amateur boxing at the age of 15. Joshua started at 18. That means he had a three-year head start. Mm. Oleg, Yusik has almost till date, almost 400 fights, 358 yeah. as an amateur. That is a tremendous amount of experience, experience in yeah. the bank that you cannot buy anywhere. Mm. Mm. And with that comes learning, with that comes experience, with that comes foresight, with that comes ability. And I'm sorry, it was just too much for Anthony Joshua to handle. Mm. Wow. But um, would you agree to the statement made by some people that said uh, Anthony Joshua fought that fight on Usyk's terms, not on his Anthony Joshua's terms? I, I agree with you, and, and I think uh, I agree with it, and, and that's what um, uh, Tony just on, on the, uh, just uh, just underlined and explained the game. Um, I, I, I feel that uh, Joshua wanted to prove a point. Mm. And I, I believe that when you have something as big as that at stake, you don't go out there to, to prove it, but you go out there to do what you need to, to do. Yeah. I mean, look for a way. Look, first of all, you've you got to admit admit everything that uh, that Tony said, and that if you have studied the man, because I, I expect that as a, as a professional boxer who, who, who has had such successes, you study every, every opponent that, 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 that you have fought against. So if you are going to ring against someone like this, if I say, maybe this person should come beat me, maybe I should approach this another matter. You don't go in there try to prove. Yeah. Look, every boxer that has tried to stand toe to toe with a puncher, trying to say, you know what, which I can take a punch, or you know what, which I can punch, or you know what, which I can, I can also. They ended up, most of them, if not all of them, have ended up just like Anthony Joshua. You don't go there to prove to, to someone that yeah, I can, I can. That's why I like Sugar, Sugar Leonard. Mm. Remember his fight against Mavinagla? We talked about it this morning. This morning. <laughs> See, look, you have got to go in there. Imagine uh, uh, Sugar Leonard going to go, go to, 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 to Mavinagla just to prove a point. And so I feel that, like like Tony said, the mistake uh, uh, that Joshua made was trying to outdo someone, trying to play, uh, trying to play with the man in his own part. He should mm. devise a way. Look, learn from if you have to dance if, if you need to. Let it be seen that at least, even if, even, but I, 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 I suspect though that from what today has said, because I mean, he, uh, until today mentioned the man, I didn't know about him. Mm. I feel that maybe this, this is the end of the uh, end of the rule for Joshua. But of course, until the second fight, if there is one, we can't say that definitely. But I feel that the way this man is built. And with the, with the way today is saying it's going to be a problem, the man is already a problem. <laughs> so let's see. Let, let's see. Maybe if the second fight, Joshua will have learned to lesson and go there and fight and fight different. But I just suspect that mm. the way this is going, I suspect that even if he fights differently, you still get beat. 
Okay. Th- those were my sentiments exactly this morning. I told today I felt like Joshua was between the rock and a hard place. But Yemi. And the hard place. Yes. Yemi, um, definitely for me, Joshua's strategy, you know, when a cruiserweight moves up to heavyweight, what he gains in terms of, what the advantage he has in terms of speed and um, ability Weights. to move and, and all that, he loses in terms of raw power because he's not a natural heavyweight and all that. So, do you get the feeling that Joshua, if indeed there's a second fight, I think there will be, today will tell us about that. The only way Joshua can beat this guy, for me, he's not going to outpoint this guy. He's not going to beat this guy on points. It's like, use that size and your raw power to intimidate, wear down, and possibly knock out. Is that the only strategy or there's another strategy available to him? Well, first and foremost, you should just know that you can't box this guy. You can't outbox him. So just put, put that, that aside. On one side. I think one thing a lot of people don't take into consideration when the cruiserweight is coming into heavyweight class, it comes with a bit of an advantage. Mm. Why? He's not as heavy yeah. as the regular heavyweight. So he's least. So, so he's, he's light on his feet. So his ability to master the ring mm. is better. So for Joshua to get the better, he needs to cut off the ring. Mm. He needs to cut the the guy's ring artistry yeah, cut as off. much as cut him off and try yeah, box him in a corner to, to land and on, land on, unload those yes unload on him. I think that is the best way to go about it. Like we said, I think somewhat maybe the Andrew Ruiz experience mm. is probably what played out in this Yushichi. Why do you say so? You know the first time he went in. With Andrew Ruiz. Andrew Ruiz gave him, he gave him the same thing. Toe to toe. Went toe to toe. But the second time, he went smarter. with a different mm. strategy, trying to be more, you know, master the ring more, move around, use his legs and all that, and got the better of the guy because that one obviously was looking for mm. a way to kill him off. I think he looked at that and said, okay, I think these guys seem to be similar. But then the, the similarity, there's probably no similarity between the two boxers. Because that one was always going to go for the kill. Yeah. Or like this guy who would like to break you down mm-hmm. bit by bit. So going into the next fight, if that happens, because like it or not, this result has changed the dynamics yeah. within the boxing scene. Absolutely. The heavyweight division particularly. You know, with the heavyweight division, because once this Saturday, interestingly, this Saturday, mm-hmm. once you have one after you, whatever happens there, now changes the scope of all the sanctioning bodies. Yeah, yeah. And one thing that I think Joshua also needs to learn, he needs to learn from the masters. Sometimes you don't take some fights. <laughs> <laughs> you you're going to be accused of ducking. No, the great, the great, all the greats have been accused of ducking. If, mm. I, if I may say, I think uh, Joshua was actually condemned to take that fight. To take that fight. Because... Yeah. You know, after I think he was compelled to take it yeah, by because his he had, he had one sanctioning yeah, body. But you do recall that the IBF and WBO all, all had dibs on who was going to get a mandatory first. That was why he took care of Kubrat Pulev. Yeah. And also he had to take care of um, uh, Alexander Yusuf. And I'm taking for those who, one. Yeah. Well, for those who don't understand, the WBO rules are very clear. If an undisputed champion in any division moves up or down, whether it moves up to a higher division or a lower division, he thereby becomes automatic number one mandatory against the champion. That was why he, 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 he became normal mandatory for the WBO. 
Anthony Joshua has always promoted this idea that he wants to be the undisputed champion. He cannot do that by relinquishing his belt. He can only do that by fighting to keep all the belts. That was why he was condemned okay. to face Alexander. Okay, let, let, let's um, today. Buddy and I have alluded to the fact that we worry. Mm. It, well, first question: Is there going to be a second fight? Absolutely. It was Absolutely. stated very clearly, clearly. Okay. in the in the contract, the contract. Uh, in, in the okay. contract that there will be a okay. rematch. In so the, there will know. be a so we're yeah. going to talk going forward under those terms. Mm. Second fight. What were the mistakes Joshua made in this fight? And what do you suggest he does for the second fight? I, I, mean, I think uh, Yemi and I have actually said it. He tried mm. to out Yusik Yusik. Mm. Uh, look, Alexander Yusik has perfected this Olympic boxing style whereby you just box. After you pick up points. Over three amateur fights, exactly. he's perfected that. You, yeah. you, pick, you pick up, up points. points. Yeah. He's not really all about the knockout or about the mm. power. If it comes, fine. But there is something in boxing called effective aggression. In the sense that when it fight, the fight is so tight and the referees have to decide, they look at the boxer who was doing more than most in terms mm, of mm. bringing the fight to the opponent and that just gives them the edge. And that's what Alexander Music does very well. Okay. He might not be big on power, but he has phenomenal accuracy. Fast hands accuracy. That's a potent mix for anybody. Mm. And he also has that phenomenal output that I talk almost a thousand punches yeah. in, in, one, in one single fight. So all that is coming at you, almost a thousand punches. He has accuracy. He has fast hands. You do not fight that kind of man on that on those so, same terms. That was what he. That was, was it, that was his mistake. What does he do? Fight too. He has to be a proper barbarian, a savage. Monster. There, there are no two ways about it. Just before we came here, I showed you a video mm. of Anthony Joshua picking up the rear end of a van in order for a child to get a ball underneath. That shows you that's just a tip of the iceberg of the phenomenal power that this, this man possesses. Stick to his raw strength. Look, all Anthony Joshua needs to do is just land properly and he can cave your skull in. And this is what he needs to do against against um against uh Alexander Usyk. You don't go there boxing. This the fight against Usyk was it was disastrous. It was a terrible game plan. And a lot of people have been asking what exactly did they do in camp. He didn't cut off the ring. He didn't show any ring generalship. Ring generalship, by the way, for those who don't know, is the ability to dictate where and when you engage with your opponent mm -hmm. in the ring on your own terms. For the bigger man, for the more experienced heavyweight, you would have expected that he would have brought the fight to Alexander Yusik. You are the champion. 70,000 people paid to come and watch you defend your title. Yet you fought like I don't want to, there are words growing into my mother right to use, but he fought pretty, Even though it's a pretty, podcast, yeah, it's still family yeah, friendly. I know, so I know. You don't use those yeah, words. <laughs> but it was very, so this time around, there are no two ways about it. It is pure savagery. You, you, you find a way, his training camp now has to be young, younger, fast, faster, uh, fighters with movement mm, mm, where, who will teach him that ability to be able to close down and, um, them down as quickly as possible. But I also think he has to take a very, very, Probably difficult decision. I think, I think he might have to fire up Bakraken, his longtime coach. Okay, this is a man going, into, going in different. This is the man who took him from the amateurs to Olympic gold to, yeah, the, to world his, the world title. But I think he has taken him as far as he can. Robert Kraken is a phenomenal coach, but he's an amateur boxing coach. Mm. And what he has shown is, at times, he might need one opportunity to study the opponent before breaking them down. That was what happened against. Ruiz. Ruiz was mm. also a wild card in the sense that he was not the person initially yeah, planned to fight. Yeah. He came in. And I've said this, there was an analogy I used for you this morning that sometimes you've heard stories of people who had to do the IELTS exam multiple times. 
two, three, two times, three times, five times, seven times, nine times before they can pass it. Because he failed against, you see, doesn't make him a bad boxer. It just means that maybe he just needs to understand the Step opportunity a bit game. more mm. before he can go for the game plan to finish. And I think that's what he might do. But um, do you, some people have also said that it seems like Anthony Joshua showed, quote unquote, too much respect. There was no meanness. Mm. There was no ruthlessness. It was all nice and dandy going to the fight. Like, you can be friendly after the fight, not before. I mean, do you, does a boxer really need to do that to get himself into that warrior mode? Like, this man wants to come and take my titles. I'm going to kill him before he takes my titles. And then, like Bruno said, in boxing, we, we, we kill each other in the ring and then we start hugging like we're best of friends after. The fact of the case is that different things go for, go for, for different people. people yeah. Uh, for, for, for someone like Mohamed Ali, who is a scientist, as it were, quote, a, a boxing scientist, he doesn't have to hate you. Just to know that, look, once you're in the ring, this is what, what this is what we need to do. But even then, there are some fights that Ali took, and you knew it was going to be mean because of what had happened before the fight. Like because of the boxer, I can't remember his name, his name now. Who, who, who refused to call, call him Mohamed Ali? I was calling him casually before in the ring. He was a freezer. It was Joe Frazier. And then again, <laughs> no, it wasn't Joe Frazier actually. Because uh, okay. maybe Joe Frazier was later, but that was someone that was brutal. Okay. So I've looked at the man in like three or four hours, but he beat, he beat him up for eight or nine rounds or two. The man like, actually said, you are Mohammed Ali before, before now had mercy. Okay, it was my and name. And then there are boxers. my name. No, it's Ken Martin or something. Go ahead. And then, of course, there's there, there, there this Mexican who says that, um, uh, look, I came, I, I came from a very poor family, nine, nine children. Uh, cousins are living under one roof, uh, two rooms. So when I entered the ring, and, and then I became a boxer and I became rich. And so when I entered the ring, I look at you, I read the man, I want to take you my money. And so there's no way. I, I just beat you to a pop. Look, I, I feel each, 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 each person, you, you have to, again, do what you need to do mentally before getting going, going in the ring. However, like you said, I've noticed about, um, uh, uh, about uh, AJ, even people that are mean to him before a fight, he keeps smiling. You can't do that. You are a heavyweight boxer, you are the champion of the world, something has got to change. And then he also needs to make up his mind whether he wants to be liked or he wants to be a, a respected and feared champion. Sometimes, look, when you are a leader, when you are a leader, liking you doesn't, it's not an option. Mm. So because of where you are, no matter, what, no matter how nice you look, they will still say bad things about you. Yeah. So I kind of disagree. I think you actually be both, hey, actually. Do I, want, do I want to leave a legacy or do I want to go out as a smiling champion or a smiling manager, like, like a manager? Sorry. So, <laughs> the, the, the point is, AJ needs to get to another level because I think for him, this boxing thing has been a lack. He has been a way of making money and he's comfortable and he's, and he's doing a lot of I saw a movie recently where um, a two players were to meet in a, in a fight. One was uh, one was drinking and the other was training. And then somebody said, "Look, the person wants to fight. It's not playing. You are here. You are drinking. You are chasing women. I'm sure he's, he's getting beaten to a pub, trying to find a way to knock you senseless." And like somebody said, somebody said, "What do you do in your training camps? What do you do? Because what you do in training camp has to show in the ring. The ring. Yeah. I want to see this next fight if I want it happen to see whether Joshua actually changed." Or maybe it's just the same old thing. Because I feel, look, I personally feel it's the end of, it's, it is the end of the road for him. But I'm waiting to be put wrong. Okay. Um, some of us have expressed our doubts even before I round this up. Um, what do you expect? Um, he's lost 
once before, came back. And I think I remember the fight where I, I said that he went to hell and back. That was a political fight. Mm. When he suffered the knockdown, yeah. it was very impressive. He came back from that. And so, while he didn't lose, I think he's been to hell and back twice. Can he do it a third time? He has to. <laughs> he has to find those powers that he has that, you know, that we haven't seen. Mm. That ability that we are calling for that, that we know that he possesses, he needs to bring it out. This is the time to, to eventually probably change the narrative. Mm. You, as a heavyweight champion, you, you can't be, I kind of agree with what Brazil said that you, you know, being all this nice, nice, good. Mm. And I you have to be, you <laughs> have to be, you know, let them know that. You got to be nice after the fight. That's what we're saying today. See, if you ever met my mom, if you ever see her probably raking for something, you'd be scared. Next thing she told you, my dear, how are you? How is your day? That's probably telling someone they knew behind. Okay, let's go another direction before we round up now. Today, um, of course, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3 Ooh. is this weekend as we speak. And every question could change as well. Yes. But for me, honestly, Fury is the most awkward, most difficult to beat opponent in boxing. All of 6'9", he's got more ring intelligence that people give him credit for. Oh, yeah. And it's just so difficult to beat. So what do you think is going to happen between him and Wilder? And how do you see the heavyweight Division shaping up next year. Are we ever going to see that Fury, um, Joshua. Joshua, or British heavyweight fight? First and foremost, for those who don't know, Joshua actually threw away a magnificent payday uh, when yeah. he lost to Usyk. Mm. There's talk that him and, um, Fury. and Fury were online to receive a hundred million pounds each. Mm. As I'm getting goosebumps just mentioning that, that's like hundred million pounds each. That's life changing money. I'm going dizzy. Yeah, and so he's put that in advance now, but it's not an impossibility. Mm. But for uh, Fury Wilder, all I can tell you is that there will be blood, and there's plenty of bad blood between both of them. Mm. Uh, and Wilder, the way he's coming for it, the way he wants it, he's, he's he's a man on the mission. But it's interesting because Fury doesn't really have to lose. He can battle and jab his way to a draw, yeah, and he'll still retain the title. Wilder yes. is the man that has to go for it. He has to go for it. So it's an interesting contrast of styles. Wilder has now recharged his sledgehammer of a right. Mm. There's a knockout loading here again. That's all I can tell you. Okay, that will be interesting. We we'll wait and see what that happens. Um, but today, thank you for coming, but you are still here. Yep. Because the other topics we're discussing today, you can, can add me. You can add to it, and we know you're interested in that. Um, so talking about something trying to make a comeback, like as the Georgia has to do, we go to the NBA now. Someone moves in the NBA and one team trying very hard to make a comeback. Um, buddy, um, L.A. Lakers. I don't know whether there is a new rule that says basketball will have more than five players on the court. <laughs> because of all the acquisitions the Lakers have made. I, I was going through it. I can see DeAndre Jordan. Ray John Rondo is returning. Malik Monk. Camilo Anthony. Dwight Howard. Trevor Ariza. Russell Westbrook. All these players have made the move. I think it's only um, Mark Gasol, Caruso, and Schroeder is out. But let's start on Dennis Schroeder. What happened? Dennis Schroeder was offered big payday by the Lakers. Did he overrate himself? Rejected that? And he had to settle for a one-year, $5.9 million contract with the Celtics. What happened to Dennis Schroeder? I think uh, Dennis Schroeder um, 
evaluated himself. Okay. Now, I mean, but look, let, let, let me put it this way. Because it's not the first player to reject uh, uh, that kind of deal um, uh, in the NBA. Some have done, and they have uh, they have gone on to get a bigger one. They, you know, what, what, what this player says is that, hey, let me test free this. Okay. Now, here's the thing. When a player has um, uh, uh, has the option on the final year of his contract, the team that is with can offer, can give him, can, can will make an offer, and he can either accept or reject it. Now, here's the tricky part: if another team offers him bigger money, mm. they decide to take the bigger money okay. if they want him bad enough. In the same vein, if, if another offer, if another team matches it, decide to go, decide to stay. Now, if another team offers him bigger money, and the team decides to match it, and he likes the team, he may stay with the team as long as he's getting more money than the team. For instance, if, if the, the money that Lakers offered him, uh, the, uh, if, if another team had offered him more money, and Lakers had matched, and if Lakers had decided to match that offer, then there still been a Lakers. But the thing was that the money Lakers offered him when he decided to test free Jesse in quotes, no other team were willing to offer that. Exactly. So he was left out on the court, left out in the court. And that, that is where, that, that's why I said that he overrated himself. Now, the thing about, about Shoda, I always say that Shoda is a mini, mini, mini Westbrook. They play the same way. They play for themselves. They are good players, no doubt. But they pay for themselves. They, they, are, they, are, they are players that you can bring off the bench and they can give you points in bunches. But within the team system, they are very, very limited. Very, very. And so that, that's why for, for long stretches, they was coming off the bench for Lakers. That's why for long stretches, everything that they place for, there is a ceiling to how far or how good they could be. And so for me, I think with a team like, like Lakers, you had a chance to get a ring. Lakers offered you a contract, they, they, they offer you something that, can, that could secure your future. Because the danger of what has happened to show that now is that with all the limitations that I mentioned and with the way money is shrinking in sports, you might, you might find, find out that that one-year contract, when the time comes for him to get another deal, he won't get what Lakers have offered. Except he plays out of his skin. Exactly. Even, even if he does that, Someone will come and offer you a three-year contract that should be basically the same or a little less than what Lakers offered you. Offered before, you, yeah. Which is so now they are saying, look, we know you are good enough to be, to, to be under a contract, but we are not going to we are not going to make you the crappiest of our organization because for <laughs> you to get more money, he has to be the main man. Mm, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. No, and mm. so they are going to offer him the same thing or less for three years. Which is look, right now we are saying, come and get guaranteed money. Instead of this play for peanuts for, for, for one, year, one year part time, because if he doesn't get guaranteed money, send the guaranteed contract the next time, from here, from, from going forward from here on, it's a, it's a downward slope. <laughs> so the experience has failed. Next season or at the end of the season, even if he plays out of his skin, he's going to get a three year contract that's not what he's looking for. And then he has to sign. Because <laughs> that is guaranteed money. It looks, it looks like it was a big, big mistake. Um, that he, made, he, made, he made a big mistake. Mm. Okay, but I'll get back to you on the Lakers and how stuck they are. Um, yeah, I mean, a number of top players resigned for the Steph Curry four-year 
extension, 215 million. Some of these figures are making me go dizzy. <laughs> Max, um, you know, uh, Clippers have kept Kawhi, four year, 173 million. Max, Joel Embiid is staying with the 76ers, four years, 196 million, and all of that. Uh, Kevin Durant also four years, 198 million. And Jimmy Butler stays with the Nets and all of that. Do you get the feeling Blake Griffin also stays? CP3 also stays. So, yeah, I mean, lots of top players have decided to stay where they are. Um, what does that tell you? Well, in some instances, it tells you some of them are looking at what they have on the roster mm. and they for a bit of continuity. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Brooklyn Nets. For instance, you mentioned KD. You mentioned uh, Blake Griffin. Yeah. All on the Nets. Potential championship competing team. Uh, from the Clippers side, you mentioned Kawhi Leonard. Obviously, looking at what they have with, uh, has with Paul George and all, potential champions even though we know that the Clippers are potentially cursed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned CP3. They did well, got to the final. Mm. Obviously, we look at it and say, look, we're just a few games short. Are you surprised CP3 got a four-year 120 million contract. I don't know how, how long that would stretch mm. <laughs> that engine. Mm. But I, I thought four years is a bit of a stretch, mm. you know. But probably as a good manager. But he he's shown that he has the, those abilities for longevity. So okay. we have to wait to see um you know how what I liked is I like the fact that um the Nets had it the meals. Yeah. So I like yeah. that one mm. gives them a huge different option. Yeah. Especially from, Entirely, from, yeah. from, from, from outside. And championship Canada. experience as well. Championship mm. experience. I, I like the fact that Bobby Portis resigned with uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Mm. He had a great hand in that in championship. Title, so yeah. that was really good. Um, the likes of Luka Donkey should be interested to see how those ones to carry yeah, their team with the new too, deals that they signed. So, I think Donkey has signed um, 207 million. And then um, Steph Curry is the first player in NBA history to sign two 200 million contracts. contracts. Victor Oladipo is going to the Heat. Um, today, that looks to me, he's had serious injury yeah. trouble over the past. But yeah. the Heat, decent team got to the final penultimate here. Yeah. That looks to be, if he can stay fit, that looks to be a very, very good move for him on paper. Yeah, on paper. Because, um, I mean, Victor Oladipo is absolutely talented. Let's yeah. not let's let's not lie about that. Definitely, really good player has always been has always you know pulled up the good good numbers everywhere he's been. Uh, but like you said, that inability to stay fit for the for the long haul mm. that is what has really really affected his career. Now to the Heat, now they're also looking at the fact that they have a really very really interesting squad. You know, mm. young squad. Jimmy uh, as well. Yeah, and there's mm. the Nigerian there. Um, is Bama it, uh, Deba. Yeah, Bama Bama Deba Deba. who's there as well. It's not a bad team as well. So it's just a question of keeping him fit. That's really the problem. Uh, and if they can do that, definitely another playoff showing as well. But it's really, really about keeping him fit. And just to add to what you said there earlier on about the players signing, uh, with resigning with their own teams, mm. I think maybe the coronavirus also had a problem, had, had an issue, had a big hand in that as well. So much uncertainty and upheaval mm. affected finances mm. uh, for yeah. many of these teams. Yeah. So I think those players looked at, look, I'd rather have the stability of where I know and where mm. they're offering me good money and not end up like uh, Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, so let's go back to the elephant in the room. 
the LA Lakers. No, the, 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 before you go to the Lakers, you know, okay. the, the good thing for for um, Victor Ladipo okay. about this about this mommy's move is that you mentioned the injury problems. It means that now from the, the way their backcourt is backcourt is is, is tagged. Kalari, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson. It means that their rotation will be deep and it can rest a lot during the season okay. and then they can unleash him in the playoffs. That's significant. So for him, it, it, it is perfect. They can manage his minutes while he's resting and earning money and getting game time and then the playoffs, they can, so it's perfect for him. It's perfect, 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 perfect for, for the organization and, then, and, and I, I think they're a team that we need to look out for. Load management, they call it. In yeah. <laughs> but it, okay, so back to the Lakers. DeAndre Jordan, Rajon Rondo, Malik Monk, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Trevor Ariza, Russell Webster, all coming in. Of course, we have, we have a, a, what's his name now? LeBron. LeBron and AD there. What's the plan, really? Because I honestly don't know what's the plan. So maybe you can tell us from a basketball insider perspective. What's going on there? It's quite simple. The Lakers want a championship. Okay. They want another one. LeBron, LeBron wants another one. But the, way the joke around here is that um, LeBron is the GM. Most of the recruiting, he wants uh, to live in in uh, a, um, uh, in, in legacy in, uh, in 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 Lakers. In Lakers. And um, for, for, him, for him to do that, he needs a championship or two. And this is like the roadmap to it. Now, last year, the moment AJ got injured, we knew their championship drive was, was over. over. Yeah. And when they signed AJ, that was the, uh, sorry, AJ, Anthony Davis, AJ, mm-hmm. that was the major concern. And I said it clearly to you, I mean, really, I said, that this person you signed, as good as he is, you know, he's injury pro. Mm-hmm. Now, in the bubble, where there were limited games and where the, the players were protected, they were able to maximize him and the brought They won a championship. Now, outside of the bubble, where you have to play road games, you are traveling, you are partying, you know, and then you are, you are playing games. The odds are that the injury thing will show up, and that's what happened last year. So what they have done is they have caught uh, all their business. If AJ gets injured, of course, they always get to man. Meanwhile, I remember that LeBron played the most minutes of his career in that first year that he did, that, that, um, uh, uh, that was, he was with them. Yeah. And then he got injured when it, when it, when it mattered most. Last year, of course, with the control bomb and all that. So what, what they have done is that they have covered their bases. Look, you know, at some point, it's either that they are going to manage AJ's minutes and use all those people that you mentioned, especially the Jordan and, and their forward. And they've also talked about moving uh, um, uh, AD to, to, to the powerful Move position forward. where there's a bit of less pressure and less contact. They mm-hmm. let the bigs that they have, bring, they have brought in, they, they let them repeat uh, and, and play that center role while he's, he takes it easy. Manage this, manage, uh, manage, uh, eight minutes, manage, um, uh, uh, LeBron James minutes. Like, and like I said, look, because the Westbrook will give you points in bunches yeah. when it's on the floor. I was going to come to that. Whether he's playing with him or not. What does Westbrook add? Score. What does Westbrook add to the Lakers? Uh, like I said earlier, um, the, the young man that refused the contract is, is just like a mini Westbrook. So Westbrook brings, um, double of what he brings, brings scoring. Now, all, all Westbrook needs to do to turn, uh, to, to make Lakers the biggest threat to, uh, to, to the Nets is just for him to play within the team. That, that's all. 
and we, we know his skill set, we know he can shoot, we know he can shoot, we know he can pass when he wants to. And I believe that with the with the uh, with the with the with the people around him, um, people that have won championships and people that uh, that have that have done more that have done the same as if not more than what, what they have done in basketball, I think he can do that. So what Westbrook brings to them is guaranteed points, guaranteed uh, playoff experience, and guaranteed will to win. And I dare say, um, uh, uh, it, it also makes them uh, uh, one of the most fearsome teams in the West. Mm. Okay, just as a quick aside, I think one of the reasons why the uh, Lakers are going pretty hard about it this time is the last time that they did win this championship, they won it in the bubble. Yeah, which means that there was no party, they couldn't celebrate, and you know, yeah. LA loves to party. They love okay. to celebrate the Lakers. So if so, they do win it this time around, they can party. You can expect mm. them to shut down LA. Yemi, what is the issue with Ben Simmons? Ah. <laughs> what's the problem why, 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 because I, I honestly don't get get it I don't know maybe why, 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 I guess that best was question <laughs> ah, I'm beginning to think it's somewhat maybe mental um, is it village people kind of mental <laughs> maybe a bit of uh, mm. mental health mm. you know um, I think the feelings have done everything that they can mm. or that they could for him to make that team better, to build somewhat build a team around him. And interestingly, someone like him being as then grown in leaps and bounds to even contribute more than Ben Simmons. Um his first the first acquisition was he didn't have a good jump shot. And then during the offseason he kept working and then started seeing the semblance of improvement. In that, then all of a sudden, the players come along and he just disappeared. Switches off. So I, I, I think maybe the guy needs to see a proper could just, well, I, I, I'm Look, I'm saying, could it just be a, a loss of form, a deep in form? These guys are human. It no, happens. but someone knows it's deeper than that. I think okay. he needs to see a proper sports psychologist. It happens so regularly for you. Yeah, he switches off. You know, you know when you are, you have a certain level of talent, mm. and when the chips are down, you mm. just seem to Me always too. go missing. Okay. So I think there's a bit of work. Maybe a change of environment might actually help him, but possibly. Mm. possibly. Mm. Who would actually want to take him? In this situation. Mm. In this situation. I know he had to leave the Australian team. He didn't play yeah, the, Olympics the Olympics and all that. Um, two teams in the East are interesting. Brooklyn Nets, of course. Mm. Blake Griffin is staying. Um, of course, um, it looks like the regular guys are there. Kevin Durant is there. And um, try to remember his Carrie Ivan. Ivan is there. So, do you see that as potential champions? Oh, you have to also look at the Heat, though. <laughs> Kalari and uh, Victor Ladipo have been added to a very, very good team. Jimmy Butler mm. is staying as well. So, and they're still moves, the Milwaukee Bucks. And then and there's the Chicago Bulls. Bulls. Chicago Bulls, too. So it looks like the East this this yeah, season will be, be very tough. tough. It's, going, it's going to be rough. It's mm. it's going to be very, very rough. I think it, it now depends on who has the most consistency and who has the better rotation. Uh, and who can stay healthy. Yeah, squad management. I think that's what's going to come down to. Mm. It's not going to be talent. It's the team that can stay consistent the most. And who can get the most the, uh, that squad that uh, bench rotate, that uh, using their bench as wisely as rotation. possible? Rotation. That's what's going to be down to just that's fine detail because the teams you've mentioned right, right now are all potential champions. Mm. Not to mention the box are still really really strong. 
they want to go for it again. Mm. And there's still the dark horses, uh, like the 76ers as well, yeah. who've shown tremendous capability in the past as well. So, the East, I think, is where most of the really tough games are going to be this season. Okay, but do you think the East is just as bad as Wild Wild West now? Bad, bad, quote and unquote. I think so, DG, and uh, and uh, I think so because um, mostly because of the talent talent of the Nets. Um, and the Celtics have a rookie coach, but um, and maybe that's what they need because the the, the roster has always has been talented for, for for quite a while now, and the young players who are there. They said Tatum and the rest of them. Uh, I think now they are mature enough to know what they, what they want, and they have the savvy to uh, the savvy to see through. Uh, uh, let, let me also add to what Koike has said. I believe that it's a game of fine margins. Yeah, and this is where for me, I think the the, the, the Nets have an Achilles heel, and that Achilles heel is all this controversy and all this all, all this uh, all, all this um, uh, news that Kyrie Irving is that yeah. is dragging to the team. Because if one of your star players keeps being in the news for the wrong reasons, there's something to, it will not affect the locker room. Mm. Now, if you don't take the vaccine, they can't play home games. Mm. Which means that I, I think that's one of, I, I think that's one of the reasons they treat them for party meals. So if, if, if that's one of the reasons, the party meals give them experience uh, um, uh, at the, in the point position. It might not be as exclusive as Kariagi, but you know he has the court savvy. Yeah. As be, as you, uh, we saw him do for a sports over the years. So, for the, for the um, for the next, they have to take care of that carry Ivan issue. Otherwise, to bind them in the box when they need to focus in the playoffs. Okay, buddy. So what we're going to do, this is the first part of this. Next week, because the season starts upper week, next week's episode, we're going to do a preview of the pretenders and the contenders. A real proper preview of the NBA. Season. So what I'll ask you to do, buddy, is that give us four teams from the West, four teams from the East that are likely going to be serious contenders. I will discuss that on next week's show. So that's an assignment for you ahead of uh, the next recording of Sports 360 Podcast. So, talking about um, uncertainties, and um, we move on to our next topic. Um, it's still uncertain whether there's going to be a change to a two-year World Cup cycle. What is certain is the fact that FIFA and some of their henchmen, let me use that word, are trying to kind of, I don't know, maybe drag everybody kicking and screaming to agree to a two-year World Cup cycle. And it brings me to NFL president, Amal Jupinik. And um, a story was actually credited to him. Um, some quotes were credited to him. I doubted those quotes. I felt maybe it was one of those stories, but we have since authenticated that. And um, we call I call this Amadou's mind games, which I don't know. Maybe you guys can put me to why he had to do this. Well, Amadou is saying um, UEFA should demonstrate the same solidarity with the global game over plans for biennial World Cup. The European football's governing body was shown over the European Super League, a council member, of course, Amadou Pinika said. Uh, President of Nigerian Football Federation, Amadou Pinika called, I'm quoting, I'm reading directly from the story now, called on UEFA President Alexander Seferin to apologize for suggesting that European countries could boycott the World Cup if FIFA proposals to shorten the gap between the tournaments to two years are adopted. Pinnick reminded Seferin that just under six months ago, UEFA relied on a number of organizations within the football world to support in the face of the Super League breakaway threat. Now, I believe Europe should show leadership and support the changes being proposed in order to help develop the game worldwide. 
Penick told the PA News Agency, if you look at what happened with, why couldn't Juventus based Milan Arsenal managers have formed their own Super League solidarity? Um, don't let me continue, but what I take from this is the fact that Amadou Penick is a member of the much vaunted FIFA Council. Abi? Mm-hmm. He is also chief president of the Nigerian Football Federation. He is not the head of the regional body for Africa. He's not even the head of the sub-regional body. He's not even so, the head of Africa. So why are you, over, in my own view, overreaching yourself and trying to get or talk to somebody who is the head of his own regional body? Seferin, agree with him or not, he's going to do what he feels is right for his own body. So if some of you have agreed to this two-year work of which, in my own view, the African, the NF, the CAF executives have agreed to that, are not even thinking it through thinking of the impact it will have on their own Afghan nation's corp, which I think is very, very negative. Why are you, in, in my own view, overreaching yourself, going out of your way to tell a man how to run his house, more or less? Let me start with uh, Tunde. I'm not surprised, actually. It's, I mean, it's Amadou. Um, he, had, he does have a, uh, a history of making pretty... Interesting statements. Let me mm-hmm. just, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really, to be honest, I'm really not surprised at all. Uh, but what he should learn that he cannot bully Seferin. He can't, he, he probably should got to do his research about Alexander Seferin. He's a difficult man and he doesn't, he's not, he's not the kind of person that can be bullied. Mm-hmm. And without a shade of doubt, without minds in words, UEFA is the singular most organized and richest confederation in FIFA. If they cough, FIFA will collapse. Mm-hmm. So you cannot bully UEFA. They have a lot of competitions that are well-funded and are running on clockwork and, 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 and it's been, the UEFA Champions League is singular, probably the richest football championship in the world. So why would they want to jeopardize that for anything? We also, the kind of miracle they pulled off with the, with uh, Euro 2020, hosting it in multiple countries, which had never been done before. Mm. UEFA has always been the, the standard bearer, the leader in terms of thought and engagement for the rest of FIFA. So you can never get to them by threats or intimidation. It won't work. So mm. if uh, Amadou thinks he's doing Infantino's bidding or trying to help uh, Infantino or the FIFA Council do their work, I think they should probably put a leash on him because he's doing more harm than good. I think he should put a leash on himself because, you know I mean? I don't understand why, you know, it happens here. I'm, as I hate to say, but it's the truth. You find members of our own group media jumping to the defense or doing somebody's job for him. In this case, if it was Infantino that spoke, I probably would not say anything. Why are you trying to do Infantino? Infantino is the president of FIFA. He's one that's trying to say, let's do it two years. Mm-hmm. So why is Amadou, Yemi, going beyond that and trying to, I won't even say be, do Infantino's bidding, you know, being Infantino's attack dog. <laughs> and, you know, I, that's where I see it. You see, it is when you come to the realization that whatever plans you've conceived, whatever thought, whatever the thoughts that went through that through that process of conceiving the two year cup, you know that it won't work without the backing of UEFA. You then think that look, you obviously can't convince them because they are having to even sort out their own calendar. Mm. For instance, this week they played semi-final of uh, the Nations League, which is supposed to have been played 
Mm. You know, and don't forget they're already trying to sort out how to go on the media break in twenty next yeah, year, next yeah. year of the twenty twenty two World Cup. So you feel that maybe a bit of media pressure, a bit of uh maybe guilt, guilt tripping might work. But this is an organization that is properly self sufficient. Mm-hmm. Let me see that. As against CAF. <laughs> as against CAF. Mm. And as against the NFF. Mm. Uh, they're running smoothly. Their competitions are top class. You know, they're an autopilot. So if you, you feel maybe a bit of guilt tripping will help you do that. But these are guys who think differently. The scope they're, of they're their work. practice. They're, exactly. And sorry to just cut you short. I, the honest, to the honest truth, why I think um, there's, I think there's a Yoruba proverb about the autolento, but autolento, you know. You have to translate that. Yeah, in so English. I mean, I don't know how to translate that. <laughs> no, so there's, I mean, I'm stopping someone. This well, just I'm not. You think for somebody? Yeah, somebody said. That's the nearest so, analogy. The truth about it is, Pedikamaju owes Janifatini quite a, a, a tremendous amount. Of their a huge debt yeah. for everything he has achieved right now up until this moment, Infantino's hand is there, unseen behind well, the scenes. Well, I've seen so, on we've seen on so you can understand why he's so passionate about yeah. drive fighting his cause because he feels beholden to him. It, it, it's unfortunate that, uh, and that's also what has led to what's happening with calf. You know, us having to think that you know everything if 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 Atino's Sneezes, we must catch a cold. <laughs> and that's exactly what's happening. And I like the fact that UEFA are much more, like you said, proactive and realizing that, look, the burden of having a World Cup every two years is huge from a financial standpoint, from, from a, a player, physical from standpoint, the, player standpoint the, yeah. the exertions on the players. Nobody's thinking about them. No. And it's just, and because I'm just coming from a position where all they think about is the money that comes from the World Cup. All they think about is, you know, when I look at our NFS sponsorship, yeah, he's he 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 coming from a background that is, that is not well run. The same way, look, we finished the league, we don't know when the league is going to happen. <laughs> we don't know. We, we, nobody only that. We're going to come to all of that because I was going to say that it's like a man has enough trouble in his own house. Exactly. Yes. And he's going out to try and solve another man's exactly. problem in his own home. That's where I see this. But, but it, let me come to you because even you would have expected that the women's game will be the ones that would want and appreciate a two-year World Cup, a two-year cycle World Cup. But even the women's game has come out to say plans for a two-year cycle World Cup for the women's World Cup for the women's World Cup is not in their appropriate. It's not in their best interest. They've come out to say um, they are concerned about player welfare, burnout, and market saturation, which I think Bode, you said about it that. Talked about this when we talked about this initially from the sponsor's perspective. You're saturating the market. FIFA, on the other hand, are trying to say there's more money in the game, more interest generated, da, da, da. The more and the more money is, as far as I'm concerned, is money that will just be circulating around a few countries. It's not yeah. going to trickle down yeah. to other countries. So, but it was your take that even the women's game that you will feel that ordinarily will jump at a two-year World Cup cycle are saying no. And for me, DJ, I think um, uh, that is a marker that cannot be ignored. Because for the women, for a lot of women, only if women have long playing careers. Yeah. Most of them have have short playing careers because of family, because of um, uh, 
because some, some especially from this part, a lot are native bloomers. And so they would have benefited more from the two-year World Cup cycle. But if they are saying no, that should have been a marker for them. Having said that, let me back up a bit and give you a perspective that you probably did not see where my Jews concerned. Okay. Some things, some things are clear that, that we know. One, Amadou is ambitious. Extremely Two, ambitious. Amadou doesn't do Amadou doesn't do anything without a reason. He's deliberate. Mm. And thirdly, Amadou wants to be calf president. Of course. Now. So and and four, we know that right now, CAF is an extension of FIFA. It's a department it's, it's in FIFA. It's a department. It's, 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 it's a department in FIFA. So could it be to all intents and purposes? Put all these, all these things together. That I'm actually saying this because connect the dots. Mm. 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 Very deep yeah. insight. And also, also another thing that we do maybe just to add to what you said about saturation is there's, there's something sometimes too much of a good thing is it's just too it's exactly what it is too much. Mm. There's sometimes haven't you seen some weekends where you are watching football and there's a Serie A and there's a Inter uh, AC Milan there's uh, this one you just get tired and say look you just mm-hmm. switch off the football and I'm going to see yes. now you're having too much football every year on year on and a- there are some issues that a lot of people don't understand they are declining subscription rates for a lot of these um, uh, uh, football uh, sports services. The average age of people that subscribe is between I think um, twenty six and thirty five. It's declining. Because the other things are taking people's time. There's yeah, Netflix. Yeah. There's this. There's that. Mm. Sports will now so begin the, to fall into just, just hold the thought. I, I, I'm still. I'm sticking with you. Even like Buddy mentioned, they're not even thinking of the players. No. On our new on our radio show this morning, I read a report that a world uh, professional football body, Fifth Pro, mm. are concerned about player burnout because they feel too many elite players are playing at what they call the critical level. What's the critical level? If a player plays at if a player plays at 45 minutes of a game in a space of less than five days, he's playing at a critical level, mm. which makes him prone to injury and possibly even shortened careers. Yeah. And they mentioned Manchester United's um, Portuguese midfielder. Bruno Fernandes. Bruno Fernandes as a player who is in that, you know, because, but these days, most of them they play three, three days and all that. Yeah. And what you're doing is with this, I told you a few weeks ago that the players, you know, will come out about this two year World Cup because that means these players will not have any free summer. No. The top players, either they play the Euros or the African Nations Cup, as guess maybe Copa America, Copa America and Asian then Cup. they play the World Cup, or the Asian Cup and play the World Cup. No matter how much money you play, pay a human body, it's still a human body. Oh, yeah. The money is not going to turn because people say ah, they pay so much money. The money is not going to turn the body into iron <laughs> onto an engine. It's still a human body yeah. and it needs to recover. It needs to be replenished. So in all of this, my disappointment is that FIFA and those guys, they're not even thinking of those players as if these players are guinea pigs. It's always been symptomatic of football administrators all over the world. I mean, here in Nigeria, we've seen matches being fixed at 1 p.m. In tropical Africa, on a synthetic pitch, and play daily. I mean, we've seen them try to squeeze finishing a league, uh, a, a seventeen to one month. It's it's just symptomatic of the kind of way administrators think. There will be no football, no game without the players, and a lot there's a, a huge mental load that these people don't understand. It's not only physical. You finish one game, you are thinking about the next one, the next, the next, and even people don't understand. Even when on break. 
these players are still within a strict regime. You have to maintain a yeah. certain weight limit. You cannot right. eat certain mm. foods while they are on break. You must come back uh, weighing a certain um, uh, weight. Mm. You must also have a physical regime that you're going through even when you're on break. Mm. And you may want to put in football. We, um, yeah, it, it's, 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 it's too much. So here we are, Yemi Azurado. Here, here we are in a country where we, we are in October. We hear the league is going inside in October. There's no program. There's no calendar. <laughs> there are many issues pertaining to Nigerian football. Salary is unpaid. We are hearing rumors now. The winners stories, of the last league have not been given any Stories are surfaced now that the coach of the Super Eagles from a very credible source has come out to say the story came out in the last 24 hours that he's still being, despite all the income, the sponsorship money is still being owed multiple months salary. Mm. Some and of the bathroom staff are paid. Others are not paid. paid. And here we are. I'm sorry. Here we are. Our NFF president is more concerned about pushing a two-year World Cup cycle. There's nothing, there's no, misplaced priorities does not begin to explain it. I don't know what your thoughts are as well. Mm, Another quick wrong. proverb, uh, you have a rat in your house, you are fighting lions outside. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many issues with Nigerian football that we need to solve. You see, and going to the World Cup won't solve these problems. One of the most, the most ludicrous things that I hear that's, the NFF and I'm and I'm bunching everybody together now that they say is ascribing this two year World Cup thing to football development <laughs> for it to lead to football development. <laughs> I think it's a ludicrous, ridiculous, Financial development. insane idea. We've been going to the World Cup since 1994. We've only missed one World Cup. How does that, that, that happen? And how has that changed our football? Mm-hmm. It has. In fact, it's made it's it worse. worse. In a way. You know, in, in so ways. many ways. Not mm-hmm. in, in some in ways. so many ways. But we go for this World Cup. Meanwhile, we have other African countries who have gone for less number of World Cups yeah. and they continue to develop their football mm. from the playing side Strategic. to the strategy side to the policy side. Well, here, we continue to dance and mm. run around. In but let me give you the final word on this as we, as we ground up. Final word, your thoughts. Um, I don't think this will go through uh, because they actually said as long as uh, as long as UEFA is saying they are not interested, it, 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 that thing is dead and, and and dead it should remain. Uh, but I also, I also feel that again, like you said on, on on this platform, those of us in Nigerian Nigerian media space, we should keep pushing for our administrators to do better. Each time the conference of faith with us, uh, um, uh, they, they drop phrases and they point out things that they have the surface to do. And we never seem to ask the deep questions. And when you do, I like the word you use, attack dog. The attack dogs come at you. Mm. I'm a to to FIFA attack. I'm a carry that mentality abroad. They are starting to FIFA attack, attack dog. But I, I, but I do feel that as long as we are in Nigerian, Nigerian sports media space, we should keep talking about this. Because, hey, how can the league start in October when, and, and no, we have not seen any program? I, I bet you, you know, I, as, as it happens every year, mm. the national okay to start in November. There are the consumers until it starts in January, mm. and then the madness will start all over again. It's not acceptable. Mm. Uh, and then today, it is, there are lions in your house, you're fighting a lot outside. You know, she has bigger problems than the ones that are doing. I agree. <laughs> I agree. We have lions at home. Yeah. And we're fighting rats outside. Yeah. On that note, on that point, note, we come to the end of this episode of Sports 360 Podcast. I'd like to thank 
Tunde Koike for coming through, giving his insight from boxing to basketball. Thank you. Of course, to Nigerian football. Thank you always for downloading and listening to Sports360Pod on Instagram. That's where you go to to reach us. And of course, we'll be back again next week. One of the topics next week, of course, is going to be a preview of the NBA season. But join us to find out what the other two topics will be. Thank you guys for coming through. My co-hosts, Bode and Yemi, and our special guest today. See you next time. Bye-bye.